0: Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. I just want to say, I just want to give honor to your pastor, Pastor Bobby. I got to meet him. We had a coffee Friday morning. And uh, man, it was just an amazing time. And I came and saw your amazing facility. And he, he began to share what God has been doing. He just began to share the things that he has been through as a pastor and, and the things the church has overcome and the, ch- and the things that the way that God has opened up the doors for you guys. And I uh, mean, I just want you, you need, to, you need to say thank you to your pastor because he shared with me what he's been through, some of the things he went through in year five or six. And man, I'm going to say, man, it's an honor to be on your stage, it's a privilege, sir. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I don't take it lightly whatsoever. I mean, I'm proud of you. I love what you're doing in this city. And this city has not seen nothing yet what God's going to do through your pastor. Thank you, sir. Well, I got my beautiful wife here. I just got to get the introduction out so we can get in God's Word. But my wife is fine. She's beautiful. I mean, I know you think I look good, too, but wait till you see my wife. My my wife is here. We've been married for 15 years. Come on, somebody. She's ready. You can stand. Come on. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. I know. It's the only time I'm taller than my wife is when I'm on the stage and she's in the front row. I know what you're thinking. But hey, I I love my wife. And I got some of my family here, and um, uh, so it's just really cool. I've been. uh, I graduated high school in 2000, Victoria High. Any Stingrays in the house? Come on. They shut down the school after I graduated and changed the name. That's messed up. Uh, so I, I've been vacationing here, coming back and forth here for years. Uh, my wife and I had pastor in uh, California for over 10 years. And then uh, uh, we felt strongly on our heart to start a church. And my wife was born in Taos, New Mexico, which is north of Santa Fe. And we would vacation every year to Santa Fe. And for some reason, God just put it on my heart, Santa Fe, Santa Fe, Santa Fe, Santa Fe. I didn't realize it was the oldest city in the United States It means holy faith. Didn't realize how liberal it was and, and how crazy it was. You know how they say Austin's weird? Well, Santa Fe's weirder. And, and, and um, we, we, I knew three years that I was going to start this church, and I finally tell my wife, and she's like, no, we ain't moving. Uh, and I'm like, you should want to move. Your parents are there. It's your home state. She, she's like, no, I just want to be by the beach. Please, Jesus, change my husband's mind. We want to stay here. We have a good life here. So our church is about 18 months old. Uh, God has been blessing us. Uh, We started with just my wife and I. Now over 200 people call our church home. We We have our own building already in the process to buy more square footage in about two years. God has been doing amazing things. And so we're Hope Unlimited Church. Uh, we're part of a huge family. Our, our pastors are Darlene Sheck and Mark Sheck from Hillsong. They have Hope Unlimited Church in Australia. We have Hope You See Churches in LA. We have Hope You See Churches in, in um, India. And we have some in the Inland Empire. And we have in Santa Fe. So we're part of a big family. So we're thankful for that. But uh, so it's really cool what God's doing. But hey before I move on my parents hear my family my parents hear me preach every weekend they left they moved to Santa Fe for all the time but I just want to honor my grandparents my grandparents are amazing they've been married for almost 60 years uh, I, I get I get my style from my grandpa come on and and, and, and I love them to death uh, they have been so they have done so many things for me but they're the consistent, Example of what a family looks like in our family. Their consistency is amazing. So I just want to honor them and thank them for being here. They're amazing. All right, that's it. I, if I didn't give you a shout out, I'm sorry. Um, hit me up on social media. I'll send you a message. As I begin to prepare for this weekend, I begin to think, hey, God, I'm, I'm going to my hometown. This is Victoria. This is V Town, right? And then, um, we, as I begin to think, I, what do you want me to share with my hometown? What do you want me to share with this amazing church that I get to be a part of and hang out with on a Sunday? I kept going back to these words. It's time to move. Tell your neighbor it's time to move. I kept going back. It's time to move. So the title of my message this morning, it's time to move. Take, if you're taking notes, write that down. It's time to move. So if it's time to move, then our next question would be to ourselves, what direction do we move in? If we know God is asking us to move, then what direction should we really move in? What direction should we move in when it comes to our relationships? What direction should we move in when it comes to our marriages? What direction should we move in when it comes to our future? You know, know if, you know, if God is asking to move in a direction, you need to know what direction you're going to move in. Come on, somebody. Here's the thing. If we're not careful we could easily be moving right now in the wrong directions. When it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to our jobs, our marketplaces, when it comes to people in our family, if we are not careful, we could easily be moving in the wrong direction, right? Matthew chapter 5, 9 says this, and the scriptures will be on the screen. Blessed are the peacemakers. Say peacemakers. For they should be called children of God. I think sometimes... We fall on this opposite side of a peacemaker, and we are peacekeepers. How many peacekeepers in the house? Don't say who you are. Just look straight forward. Just look at me. I can see you. I think so many times we 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 want to make peace and we want to be a peacemaker. Matthew 5, Matthew chapter five nine talks about it, but we fall into the category of being a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper is this: often avoids conflict to keep. The peace. How many know someone like that? A peacemaker embraces conflict to keep to make peace. Embraces conflict to make peace. That is why Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are the peace what? Makers. For they should be called children of God. So we're going to move this morning, and I believe every single one of us are going to move because you moved to get here, you moved to sit down, you moved to lift up your hands, you moved to open up your mouth this morning. So without you even realizing this morning, you are moving. And you're moving in the right direction because you're here this morning. So, so if we're going to move this morning, we're going to become more of a peacemaker than, than we know now. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, 9 says that, then I know what direction I'm moving in. So we're going to move this morning, and to becoming a peacemaker. You ready? You ready? Let's pray. Man, I don't even want to pray yet because I want this guy to stay on the keys. Come on, baby. You know, some R&B. You know, you know come on. You know some, um, come on. You know some Casey and JoJo. I pray for someone like you. Come on. Now we're going to chill. We're going to pray. Stay focused. We're in church. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. It's an honor and privilege. Father, as we dive into your word, Father, I pray it comes to life. Father, I pray that we, as we sit here this morning, and as I open up my mouth, that these are your words, that my heartbeat lines up with your heartbeat, and that everything that is going to happen in these moments that we are together, let it be things that are happening that direct us closer to you, Father. Open up our ears to hear what we need to hear. clear our vision where we need to see and refocus father and i thank you for the holy spirit that is in this place that you continue to write you continue to direct me and order my footsteps in jesus name amen let's give it up for your amazing worship team come on good stuff thank you guys you guys are awesome we're going to start off in john chapter 8 verses 1 Jesus returned to Mount the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them, verse 3, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman, say a woman, who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Tell your neighbor, what do you say? They were, trying to tra- they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down, say stoop down, and wrote in the dust with, with his finger. Verse 7, they kept demanding an answer. So they stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and, and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with this woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said, The woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. What is the difference between forgiving and letting go? There's a big difference. I can say I forgive you, but I never let go. I could say that, hey, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to move on. But deep down inside, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to use this as ammo. So when you mess up again and you do something again, I'm going to pull that out and I'm going to remind you. There's a big difference, right? See, forgiveness is not just the sound. Forgiveness doesn't just look like I forgive you. I'll give you another shot. I'll give you another chance. Forgiveness is not just the sound. So we're going to have some fun. You ready? I know you think you've been having lots of fun already, but we're going to have some more fun. Here we go. Ch- play it, guys. Here we go. I love this song. It's my wife and I. It's major. Here we go. You guys ready? I sing this to my wife all the time. Come on. You guys ready? Come on. You got to get me ready. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we do right here. This is my wife I do. Come on. This is why we've been married 15 years I found love in you. Come on. I know you know this song, don't act too Christian. And I've learned to love me too. You gotta love yourself first. Here we go. Never have I felt that I could be all that you see. Come on. It's like our hearts have intertwined. Into the perfect harmony. Here we go. This is where goes. I'm gonna go up a notch. This is why I love you. Ooh, this is Come why I you. guys I are good. Thank you. you. Come on. it up for protection team. You love me. See, forgiveness is not just a the sound. There is action behind forgiveness. If I just sing that song to my wife, and that's all I do but I never put any action behind it. I never show her what forgiveness looks like. I never show her what true love looks like. I never never step towards her when she's not stepping towards me because there's no strings attached. I continue to pursue her. Then, Then she actually sees what love is. She sees what forgiveness is. She sees what true peace is that passes all understanding. She sees what it means to really forgive because I don't just sing about loving her. I don't just talk about why I love her. I actually show her. That's the beauty about Jesus. See, write this down, key point number one. Here we go, write this down. Forgiveness is rooted in action. Forgiveness is rooted in action. I, I can say I forgive you, but I, if I do not show you that I forgive you, it's just empty words. But when there is some action to my forgiveness, that is when people around me, my household, my marriage, my relationships, my kids begin to change. Because they are seeing what real forgiveness looks like. It's rooted with action. That's why in John chapter 8, if we go back to it, they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. We get that, right? But where's the guy? It takes two to tangle. You can't make out by yourself. That's weird. It doesn't work in high school, all my high school students, right? I know how you get in the corner of your lockers, and yeah, I see you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, they did this as, as Jesus publicly taught in the temple the courts. They wanted to make this as public as possible. To, to, they wanted to embarrass both the woman and Jesus. Here's the thing. There were three crowds there. There was a crowd in the temple with Jesus when he was speaking. And then all of a sudden, the religious t- teachers Catch this woman. So that tells me if you catch someone in the act of adultery, there might have been a setup. Because you just happen to be there, and they're just doing it in public. So there's three crowds. There's the temple of the people. Here's the woman that was caught in adultery. And then here's the religious teachers. So what happens is the religious teachers grab this woman, and they knew what Jesus was doing. They knew Jesus was in the temple teaching. They knew what Jesus was doing. And what they were trying to do, they were trying to put Jesus in a corner. And they thought, if I could put Jesus in this corner, I could trap him a little bit, and I could put this situation and throw it in front of him. Let's see what Jesus does. Let's see if he's really all about this love, forgiveness, this grace. They put Jesus in a corner to see if he would be a peacekeeper or a peacemaker. Was he going to please the crowd? Was he going to please the religious teachers? Was he just going to please the woman, or or what was he going to do? Was he he going to avoid conflict, or was he going to embrace it to make peace? What was he going to do? He was set up. He was in a corner. How many of you guys ever been set up before? Watch what Jesus does. He stoops down. Tell your neighbor, stoop down. And he wrote on the ground with his finger. This was a careful and deliberate response from Jesus. Instead of making an immediate verbal response to the situation like we all do, We we react with our mouths before we even think about it. So before anything happens, they throw this woman in front of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the religious teachers wanted Jesus to begin to speak about her, embarrass her, point his finger at her. And all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't do anything. He doesn't even say anything. The Bible says he stoops down. But the religious teachers wanted him to embarrass the woman. And they wanted to, the people in the temple to see, how would this guy respond? Does he really practice what he preaches? Does he really do what he tells us in front of everyone? How will he do in this situation? And the Bible talks about that, that when he stooped down, he actually got down, and he began to write in the sand. Tell your neighbor, writing in the sand is fun. As long as you're not writing about yourself. Stoop down really indicates humility what I love about Jesus. He doesn't react with anger or immediate outrage. He didn't scream at the woman or those who brought the woman. Jesus paused and stooped down. That's what he does. Stoop down is a lower posture, identifying with guilt and shame of the woman. Jesus couldn't, this is what Jesus does. Instead of saying what the woman did, we know what we're doing wrong. Come on, church. Your pastor doesn't have to tell you, you know. This woman comes up on the scene and Jesus stoops down. He doesn't say anything. But we're so quick to speak before we react. We're so quick to speak before we pray. We're so quick to, to point the finger before we evaluate ourselves. And I'm with you in this category. I'm just I'm not just talking about you, I'm talking about myself. Jesus finds out the situation, and all of a sudden. I need, I need, I'm going to get a volunteer. Come on, Caleb. Come here, buddy. You sure you can bend in those skinny jeans, bro? I, I see you've been bending already. Come on. I want you to come right over here. Let's come over here. As you know, I don't just stay behind the podium. I, I, well, come here, buddy. Come here, Caleb. I want you to, 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 to just kneel down right here. Heads down. No, you're not praying. You're just down. Here, here's this woman. They don't give us the woman's name so that you and I can identify with her. Just a woman. All of a sudden, they bring him in the situation or her in the situation. The crowd. Here's the woman. Religious teachers are right there waiting to see what Jesus, you know, those friends you got and those people that you think are your homies and they're going to be there till you die, ride or die, partners or your family. They're just sitting there watching to see what's going to happen, how you're going to react. Oh, you go to that church covered in life. Let's see what you do about this. Oh, you say you're a Christian. Let's see what you do about this. All of a sudden, this woman is brought here. She's, she's, her posture is down. And Jesus stoops down. He doesn't talk to her from here to here. Because when I get down with someone, that symbolizes humility. That symbolizes that, hey, I've been there before. People have tried to embarrass me. I've been caught in things. I've been thrown in front of people before. I've done things no one knows about. So what Jesus does, he gets down. No one knows what he said. History, scholars, scholars after scholars have tried to figure out what did Jesus write in the sand? Imagine the conversation between the woman and Jesus while there's people in the temple. There's religious teachers right here. He gets down with the woman. He looks at her. Begins to write in the sand. Hasn't said a word yet. I wonder what Jesus wrote. Maybe Jesus was writing. It's gonna be okay. Maybe Jesus was writing. I forgive you. Maybe Jesus was writing. I still believe in you. Maybe Jesus is writing. I know you can do this. I have confidence in you. I've forgiven you. We don't know what he was writing. But stooping down represents humility. So Jesus wanted to get at her level to tell her, hey, it's going to be okay. Let me show you what's going to happen. Stay right there. Is that okay? You're good. One would argue that illustrates a great problem. The religious teachers would think that's a problem because what the religious teachers wanted to do and what a lot of professional Christians want to do, come on, somebody, how many know professional Christians? They don't go here. They want Jesus to judge her. They want Jesus to to identify with her sin and tell her how bad she is. They wanted Jesus to embarrass her in front of the people in the temple. That's what they wanted to do. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus is not about keeping the peace. He's about making peace. So he embraced that conflict in that situation, in that moment, because he understands when people find peace, they find freedom, they find joy, they find purpose. That's what he understands. Imagine if Jesus begins to say, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you were caught. I can't believe you're you're interrupting my service right now. I can't believe you're inter- interrupting my moment and what I'm doing in the temple right now. I can't believe you should know better than this. How dare you do this? You're never going to be used again. No one's ever going to love you again. No one ever is going to forgive you again. No, there's no way, my God, my Father's going to restore you ever again. What if Jesus responds that way? Then you and I would look at grace, forgiveness, second chances. In a totally different way. We would. Jesus, because he's a peacemaker, embraced the conflict in that situation and gets down on his knees and says, watch this. Watch what happens. John chapter 8 verse 9 says this. Then those who heard it began convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, say one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Bible talks about that they left one by one from oldest to youngest. You say, hey, if any of you have ever done this, oh, no one looks around. We haven't done this. But if any of you have... Never sin, then you throw the first stone. And all of a sudden, the Bible talks about they left from oldest to youngest. Jesus went straight at their heart, not their action. He didn't get mad at them for embarrassing the woman. He does not get mad at them for interrupting what was going on at the temple. He goes straight to their heart. At the same time, he's going straight to her heart. And all of a sudden, because he's going after the religious teacher's heart, he's going after the woman's heart, the people at the temple will be getting to transform their heart because they just got a first front row seat of what grace really looks like. He hit his heart, the woman's heart, and the people in the temple's heart all at the same time. That's a peacemaker. And so that's why key point number two, Caleb, you're doing amazing, bro. Write this down. Peace is the preparation ground for healing to begin. That, that is why there is such a difference in, in a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. But if we always find ourselves always trying to keep the peace in our home with our kids, come on, somebody. Or with, our, with our marriages, with people in our family, with, at, at our work, and, and even just trying to keep the peace about our future and, and just actually stay focused. If we're always trying to just keep the peace, then this is what we're doing. Guys, ready? Watch what Jesus does. Here's what we do as parents and people in relationships, whether it's your marriage or in your family member. We always react towards the action. Determining how the action is, the mess up is, the failure is, the situation is, we react towards that. But what Jesus does Is he goes to the heart. Doesn't talk about the adultery. Doesn't talk about the sin. He goes after her heart. Because he gets down at her level. So we always respond and react towards the action. But what Jesus does in this situation, he goes after the heart. And he says, you're going to be okay. This will pass. The best is yet to come. Tomorrow is a new day. What we like to say at our church, your tomorrow can be better than today. And all of a sudden, he begins to speak to her heart, and things begin to happen. Let's give it up for Caleb. You did amazing. Watch what happens when we go straight to the heart. Bible talks about the oldest from the youngest begins to leave. Research like to say and scholars like to say because people left from the oldest to youngest is because the oldest ones felt so convicted so quick because they were mature and who God was. So as soon as Jesus says that, it left from oldest to youngest because the oldest one all of a sudden knew they were in the wrong. So they start leaving. And because if you're young in God, you don't really understand God. You're a new believer. You just got saved. You, You don't really know the grace. You don't know forgiveness. You don't know when to move. You don't know when to react. You don't know when to respond. So the Bible tells us from oldest to youngest. So that tells me that the most mature person that was closer to God left because they felt convicted. This is, in the scripture, it talks about her posture a little bit. This is how we know Jesus was speaking to the heart. He says, and the woman standing in the midst. It's the only reference in the account of the physical posture of the woman. We know that the woman was brought in front of the temple, right? We get that. We're almost done. Right? We know the woman was caught, right? So here's this woman. Jesus is brought... To this situation, and I don't know about you, but if someone catches me in something, and all of a sudden I'm thrown in front of the church, I'm probably not going to be standing with my head up t- high. I'm, not, probably not gonna I- I'm probably not going to be proud. I'm probably not going to be rejoicing. Ah, you caught me. Oh, man, this is amazing. I'm so glad you caught me. Imagine the posture of the woman. She's brought in front of Jesus, thrown in front of Jesus, and all of a sudden... I don't know about you, but like Kayla was, she was probably like this, defeated, overwhelmed by the pressure, breaking up inside with guilt and shame of her mistake. Her posture probably wasn't like this. It probably was like this. This is how we know Jesus went after the heart. Because what happens? It only talks about the woman's posture at the end. So what happens is when it talks about her posture, that means her posture began to change, right? So the way the woman started in this situation wasn't the way she ended in the situation. Because her posture changed throughout scripture and it began to change. So write this down, peace changes our posture. When peace is in our home, when peace is in our situation, When peace is in our marriages, when peace is in our relationships, then our home's posture begins to change. No one's walking around the home defeated. No one's walking around the home depressed. No one's walking around the home feeling like there's no way I belong in this situation. There's no way I can get past this situation. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. When peace is in your home, the posture of your home begins to change. Because that's how we know Jesus went after the heart. Because the way she started the story was like this but then later on in scripture watch what it says no lord she said and jesus said neither do i go and sin no more her posture began to change because jesus got up he noticed everyone was gone he says hey where are your accusers now where are they at where's your haters at where's everyone at that said there's no way your life could be restored where's everyone at that said there's no way that you could get past this situation where are they at now i'm sorry i get excited about god's word and people's life being changed Where are they at? She's like, I don't know where they're at. I I can't believe this is happening. They're gone. Isn't it funny how the only one was left was her and Jesus? Because in the day, he's the only one that is still going to be remaining and standing when everyone else walks out. You see, when you're a peacemaker, all of a sudden, your family, your relationships will begin to move in the right direction. One of my last couple points. Write this down. This can change your life. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Write it in your phone. Take a screenshot with your phone. Make it a saver. Whatever you like to do, that can, you can remind it. Whatever you want to do, a peacemaker points the situation in the right direction. That's what a peacemaker does. A peacekeeper keeps the situation moving in the same direction we're constantly trying to keep the peace in our relationships in our future in our marriage in our homes in our finances in our relationships we are constantly moving in circles because we're trying to please everyone but when we become a peacemaker that is when our lives begin to move in the right direction can I get an amen from someone come on that amazing piano player can come back up. Tell your neighbor it's time to move. I love this story. We're going to end this and we're done. Hopefully you've been, in, you're grabbing a hold of something this morning. I love this story. because It's like my life a little bit. I always feel like man, God, it's just, where are you at in this? And we've seen God move in my life tremendously through my church, through my personal life, through my marriage. And sometimes we have to pinch ourselves that we're only a church of 18 months and we've seen over 500 and something salvations in a year and a half. And we've seen people, we've, we, we've, we've, we've had 10 families across the United States move to be a part of our church. I don't have a job waiting for them. I don't have a house waiting for them. These people are just stopping and dropping everything to be a part of what God wants to do in a city they've never even been to. I don't know why that is. I don't know why God chose me. If you ask my family, you ask anyone that knew me when I lived here, that I'd be doing this, they'd be like, you have a better chance to win the lottery. That's serious. I don't know why I wanted to talk to you today about peace because I believe peace is the key to unlocking your purpose. Because when you have peace, you can see further. When you have peace, you can see clearer. When you have peace, you're able to forgive. When you have peace, you're able to continue to walk things out in your life. And so many times we avoid conflict. Because see here's the thing. My wife and I, we argue sometimes. And 99.9% of the time it's my fault. What we've learned as being a couple and being married is we never sweep things underneath the rug. We always embrace the conflict. Here's the thing about conflict. When we talk about the things we don't want to talk about and we forgive and not just forgive, we let go. She's understanding my heart. I'm understanding her heart. And so what that does is that actually draws us closer together. But we're afraid of conflict. Because we think the person's going to turn away and turn their back on us. But if we learn from Jesus, he embraced the conflict, but he didn't go after the situation. He went after the woman's heart. And when he got the woman's heart, she was free. She found peace. She was full of joy. She, the way she came in was not the way she exited the situation. So my wife and I understand the importance of that. So we're constantly embracing things, embracing conflict, embracing situations, because the more we do that, because I want to be like my grandparents and be married for 60 plus years. I don't want to just stop at 15. Come on, my parents were divorced when I was nine. I don't know who my father is, he disappeared. My goal in life was to be married longer than they did. And I'm doubling that baby, come on, I'm almost there. But it started with me finding peace and in, in, in embracing the things I needed to embrace and talk about the things I need to talk about and forgive in the areas I need to forgive and to let go in the areas I needed to let go. That's where it started. I love this story. Here we go. And we're done. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1. Get ready for this. You ready? Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. Say Israelites. Say Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out, but, but the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Verse 3, you and your fighting man should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. Say seven times. The priest blowing the horns when you hear the priest giving one long blast on the ram's horns have all the people shout as loud as they can then the walls of the town will collapse and and the people can charge straight into the town and we skip down to verse 10. do not shout tell your neighbor do not shout don't even talk this is even joshua This joshua commanded not a single word from any of you until i tell you to shout then you will shout I don't know about you, but if someone told me I can't speak, we're going to have some problems. Because as you can tell, I like to talk. If someone were to come to me and, 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 and tell me, I need you to do this six times, but you're going to hear this horn, and I'm going to select priests, and the priests are going to walk in front of you, and all of a sudden, you're going to do this every day, and what they're going to do, they're going to blow this horn. But you can't say a word. You can't even say anything. Come here, my man. Yeah. Come here. Come here. Come here, my man. You guys are going to follow my lead, all right? Just follow what I do. That's all you have to do. All right? right. Good? All right. Get a circle. You get right here. You get right here. And you guys are going to follow. Make a bigger circle. Come on. Here we go. I get in one line because I don't want to hit anything on the stage. So, what happens? God says, I need you to do something. And most of the time, God told me to move to Santa Fe with no one. I didn't even know a stranger. Didn't have any money, didn't have a place to live, and nothing. And in less than a year, someone blesses with a condo. I don't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, God says, do something crazy, right, like he's going to ask you to do today. Israelites have been through a lot. Moses is gone. Here comes Joshua. Now you want us to do this crazy thing and march around this wall, and you want us not to say a word, and you don't want us to, to do anything. You want us to do it for six days, and on the seventh day, they're going to blow the trumpet, and all of a sudden, you want us to shout, and you think this wall is going to fall down? Are you kidding me, Joshua? You ever talked to God like that. Come on. Like you might be thinking right now i have given god chances i've been in this church a couple times i've done enough things i've tried things i've tried to read my bible i've tried to forgive i've tried to make changes in my life i've tried to move forward in my life and i think i'm about to hit something all of a sudden nothing happens How I mean, have ever been there before i mean they've been through a, a punch don't you think after the first time they walk around come on let's go guys it's the first day we're done we're gonna be done we walk around don't say a word we're not supposed to respond they hear the sound the trumpets blowing can't say nothing look at the wall look at my situations look at my obstacles there's no way this wall's going to come down because i shout oh my god i'm not supposed to say anything right i'm thinking all these things in my head we get through the second day we rest because we do sometimes Hey, can you believe this guy's telling me to do this? Can you believe he wants to walk around this wall? He thinks it's going to fall down because we're not saying anything. Can you believe this is the land of the promised land? This is everything we've always asked for. This is what he wants us to be. God gave us this. Why can't we just bust through this place? Why, 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 why do we got to do this over and over? This is insane, why do I gotta go to church every Sunday? Why do I gotta serve? Why do I gotta be a part of this amazing dream team? Why do I gotta give? Why do I gotta forgive my wife? She don't deserve it. Doesn't God see me? I was with Moses, but I was fighting. Doesn't God see me when no one else sees me? I'm tired of doing the same thing over. I want different results. There's, no, no, that's day two. Walk again and we're almost done. You guys okay? Here comes day three i can't believe this man can we just respond can we just can god just show up right now can i just have my breakthrough now can i just have my miracle now come on i'm tired of this i'm tired of lifting up my hands in worship nothing happens i'm tired of giving i haven't got a raise in six months i'm tired of being the first one to forgive and they do the same thing over 20 minutes later i'm tired of trying to do right i always fall back into that addiction i'm tired of this day five this is crazy i can't believe josh was asking us to do this there could have been a lot of conflict in those moments in those six days but this is what joshua does i'm pretty sure they were complaining come on somebody Joshua comes over the scene because Joshua was a peacemaker hey you need to walk around this wall because behind this wall is your freedom Behind this wall is your blessing. Behind this wall is your purpose. Behind this wall is where you're gonna find out who you're supposed to be. Behind this wall is where everything changes. Behind this wall are the things, everything you've been believing for and everything you've been praying for. Behind this wall is promotion. Behind this wall are raises. Behind this wall is healing. Behind this wall is joy. That's day six. We gotta go on day six. Here we go. Come on guys, we're done. You can stand right now, stand. Cause you're gonna get excited Stay day six blow that horn man can we respond yet no no you gotta wait can this wall hurry up and change no you gotta hold on you gotta wait on the seventh day we're gonna hear the horn you're gonna hear a sound then i want you to shout and that wall situation, that disease, that doctor report, those divorce papers, that that financial situation, that that thing's going to fall. Because God's after our heart. So on that seventh day, we hear the sound. The Bible says they begin to shout. They scream. They get loud. And what happens? The wall begins to fall down. Follow me, guys. So what happens is the wall is falling down. They're screaming. They're shouting. They're lifting up their voice. They're saying, God, okay, this is you. God, come on. They, they, they begin to make a noise. It's like your church. You got land. You got a building. But you got to keep walking around. You got to keep shouting. Because you're about to build something that Victoria's never seen before. You're about to change life that Victoria's never seen before. You got to keep shouting. All of a sudden, breakthrough begins to happen. All the things you thought you never deserved, you begin to find on the other side. All because... Hold on. All because you're obedient. You kept the peace in your home kept the peace in your life and why does the bible tell us to not say a thing on the first day the second day the third day the fourth day the fifth day the sixth day why can't they respond on the first day why can't you pray something right now and immediately the thing begins to happen why can't you ask god for something and immediately the restoration happens why can't you begin to speak to god and get on your knees and pray for something and all of a sudden you begin to get what you asked for why i'm with you on that me and god i begin frustrated with each other i want my church to be further than what it is and then people tell me do you have no idea what's happening in eight months 18 months it's not because i'm greedy it's because i know how big god is and i'm crazy enough and i am crazy to believe it i'm crazy enough to believe in your marriage your future and your homes and your purpose and your calling and what god wants you to do in this church so why he's like hey don't respond don't say nothing Watch what God's doing. This is what you don't understand. You guys ready? You guys, you ready, my man? You ready, my man? This is what God does. Hey, come on, follow me. Don't say nothing. Listen to the sound. Listen to that. Listen to that horn. Day one, listen to the horn. Don't say nothing. Listen to it. Listen to it. Go to church on Sunday. Lift up your hands. Participate. Engage. Engage. Be a part of this amazing dream team. Listen to the sound. Day two. Just listen to the sound. Hear the horn. Day three goes by. Day four goes by. Listen to the sound. Day five. Day six. I can't believe this. I'm tired. I want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. There's no way it's going to happen. Here comes day seven. They've been hearing the same sound every single day was joshua doing and what was god doing ready for this he was getting them familiar with their miracle that's what he's doing They heard the same sound on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. But on the seventh day, God said, now I want you to respond to your miracle. So what God does every time when you come here on Sunday and you lift up your hands, you are getting familiar with your miracle. You are getting familiar with your purpose. You are getting familiar with peace. You are getting familiar with healing. You are getting familiar with forgiveness. You are getting familiar with second chances. You are getting familiar with seeing God move in your life. God was getting them familiar with their miracle. So that when it was time to respond, they shouted and the walls were gone. That's what God does. So what does God do every day? He's getting you familiar with who he is. So when it's time to speak, it's time to forgive, it's time to walk out, it's time to make peace, you already know what it sounds like. He was getting them familiar with the miracle. I'm going to pray over you. If you're here this morning, God's asking me to walk around things. God's asking me to pray for things. God's asking me to be patient right now and be still and quiet right now. And I don't know why. And I'm getting impatient. And I'm tired of it. If you can relate with the Israelites and you feel like you've been walking around the same thing for years or weeks or months and you don't know when it's going to get away, you don't know when it's going to collapse, you don't know when you're going to get on the other side, that's you this morning. I want you to lift up your hand. There's hands going up all over this place. God's moving in this place. God's touching people right now. you got to get tired of it. You don't know why you're here this morning. What God was doing today is getting you familiar with who he is so that when it's time to respond, you're going to respond. And you're going to see a breakthrough in your life. If that's you, your hands are still going up. I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for these hands. Right now, Father. I pray you heal where you need to be, where you need to heal. Father, I pray you go into the deepest places that maybe they never allowed you in, and you begin to show them who you are. Father, I pray right now, These hands will get familiar with your voice, your presence, They will get familiar with their with with your future for them. Father, they would get familiar and what it means and what it looks like and what it feels like to have peace in their home, their relationships, their marriage, Father. I pray right now, Father, they are getting familiar with your presence because it's your presence that changes everything. It's your presence that erases everything. It's your presence that allows us to move forward and to pick up our head. It's your presence. It's it's who you are that allows us to lift up our voice when we don't want to shout. It's your presence that allows us to lift up our hands when we want to throw in the towel so father i pray right now that these people that have their hands up are getting familiar with who you are father and you are speaking to them right now father right now as i'm speaking you are showing them you are speaking life into them you are after their heart and let them know that father you're not after what they've done you're not after the action you don't care about that you care about what they can do and who they can be father so father i pray you continue to go after their heart and they allow you to in jesus name and all of god's people say amen Amen, amen. Hey, before I walk off this stage, I don't want to miss this opportunity. If you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, I want you to take advantage of this moment. Take advantage of this moment that this amazing church has created for you. And if you've been hitting this wall, And you feel like you can never have peace in your home. You can never have peace in your own life. And you feel like you live a life of frustration. You live a life of difficulty. You live a life where you feel like you can never catch a break. And you're tired of fighting for yourself. And you want someone else to fight for you. You're tired of doing life alone. And you want Jesus to come in and begin to do life with you. And you're tired of doing it your way. And you're ready to surrender everything. And say, God, I'm here. I'll march around it seven times. I'll do whatever you need me to do, Father. I just want to get familiar with you. I want to know who you are, if that's you this morning, I want you to take advantage of this moment because this is your moment. Don't let this moment pass. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and you're here this morning and you're ready to make that step, you're ready to step out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up to the front. It's just between you and God right now. If you're here this morning and you're ready to make that decision because you're tired of the way your life has been and you're frustrated and you're ready for some true peace to come in. With every eyes closed and heads down in this place and so no one's looking around. No one, get, no, one, no one gets embarrassed for this. There's hands going up already. Hey, if you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, then I want to say a prayer with you. No one's looking around. If you're here this morning and you're ready to make that change because you know you need that peace, I want you to lift up your hand. I want to say a prayer with you. Hands going up all over this place. Ready to give your life back to God? Just gonna wait a second. His hands going up. If you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I used to know God. I used to pursue Him. I used to do what I was supposed to do, but I'm struggling. I've been blindsided with life and people and decisions. And I'm here this morning, because I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. And if you're here this morning and you need to rededicate your life back to God and rededicate your life to who Jesus is and receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior, and say, God, I'm here. And you're here to rededicate your life. I want you to shoot up your hand real quick. Any hands going up? The same hands, any hands? Here we go. I'm gonna pray with you. All right, we're gonna say a prayer and I just want you to say it with me. Here we go. Everyone say it with me. One big experience. Say, Father thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me today I ask for forgiveness and I confess my sins today I invite you to my heart and I ask you to be my God my father my healer today, I move in the direction towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up for all those people that just made that decision. Thank you, guys. I love you. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at infoclcvictoria.org. At you can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.